Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Good morning, bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 134 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here to help you find out more about mountain biking and how to get out on the trails keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved so thanks so much for tuning in and for being here this week now i hope everybody's getting over the corona lockdown and uh, you're staying off your bikes and staying home a lot of you have forests right beside you uh, where you're the only one that really uses it and that's pretty cool and on today's episode we're chatting to somebody who is in that situation but she planned it a few years ago as we chatted about when she was last on the podcast. She was on the podcast almost two years ago and at that time she was just about to move home next to the forest so she could be beside the trails. Pretty awesome and obviously in the lockdown situation we're in now it's panning out for her well. So in this episode it is my pleasure to welcome back Tess Brown onto the show for a chat about how she has been getting on over the last couple of years, how she's been racing, how the injury has been treating her, training, sponsorship and much, much more. Now you may know Tess better via her social Instagram page, Mud and No Makeup, and that's how initially I got in contact with her was through the page. Uh, but she's grown so much into a racer and a competitor since the last time we chatted, which was back in September 2018, believe it or not, back in Epsom. 54. So if you don't know Tessa's background, I would advise you to go and listen to that episode. It's great on how she got started in mountain biking and why she started racing, what she thought of the ladies scene, all that good stuff. But we get her back on this time to get a catch up, see how she's been doing and how the lockdown's affecting her and affecting her racing because she's so, so keen in the racing scene. Uh, so we chat to her about how she's missing that, among loads of other stuff. So without further ado, let's get Tess back on the show, see what she's been up to, and welcome her to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Hi Tess, welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. How's things with you? Hi, yeah, uh, all good here, thank you. How about you? Yeah, I can't complain. Um, everything's, well, I don't know what you say, but well, everything's kind of the same here. Everything is on lockdown, but everything seems to be working the same. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, so so not working from home or anything like that no we're kind of working from behind closed doors but it only takes a knock on the door for somebody to kind of get what they're looking for you know and we can pass stuff out through the door and kind of deal with them outside almost it's weird yeah okay yeah yeah i think we're all adjusting aren't we yeah certainly certainly so listen you're still getting out in the bike because you live beside the forest yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So I moved here not long after we last spoke, yeah. Yeah, and you were on the podcast, it was episode 54, mm-hmm. uh, we, we had you on, which was September 2018. Yeah, time flies, huh? Isn't it crazy? Yeah. <laughs> it's just not, and when we were chatting then, you were talk, you were moving home at that time. Um. um I, yeah, yeah, I think it was planned for a few weeks after that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you were moving, I think we chatted about it on the podcast actually, and you were moving closer to the forest just to get closer to trails. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a dream um, for quite a while and been working towards it for quite a long time. But yeah, it's been a great move, 100%. Yeah, so it's really worked out for you. Yeah, definitely. The commute to work's longer, but it's just so nice not having to drive to ride if we don't fancy it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, it may sound weird to some people, but from the guests I've had on the show, between mountain bikers and surfers and all these kind of, a lot of people move closer to the forest or closer to the coast. You would be surprised how many people actually do that for their passions, you know, their their kind of hobbies almost. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess now we're in lockdown, it's uh, paying its benefits even more. So. <laughs> yeah. so you're super close. How close are you? Uh, literally right out the door so it can be at the top of the hill in about half an hour wow so you go out the door you pedal up and then it's all downhill from there yeah 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 that's it wow and you know just thinking on that how has that helped your biking um it's really helped um actually last year i had to have surgery 
Um, so it was really nice when I was recovering to have that nearby to build fitness back up and then also build confidence back up on trails that I knew really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even when I couldn't ride, it was nice to be able to just go walking up there and things like that. Um, mm. But yeah, it's just so accessible. Um, definitely ride more for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And I suppose it's easy you come home from work at those times when there isn't much light in the evening. You can just jump on a bike and even yeah. go for a quick, you know, 45 minutes an hour type thing. Yeah, exactly. Or if you've got plans um, in the afternoon with non-biking stuff, then you can pop out in the morning for a bit. Um, so, yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Have you found yourself getting out more because of that? Yeah, I think so. Um, I actually had a look at my Strava uh, this week and I, I don't know if this is very much, but I, I, I kind of thought before I looked at it, oh, it'd be cool if I did a thousand metres of climbing and therefore descending for every week of the year. Mm. Um, and I'm already on like 15,000 or something. And I think we're on week 15. So I'm on track. So now I feel like I should um, set kind of more uh, difficult to target. But yeah, we'll see. But yeah, I think, yeah, it's definitely made a difference. Uh, so let's ta- let's chat work um, and stuff because I know when people look at your socials and things like that, they probably think you don't work and you're you're a sponsored rider and all. But you have a full time job, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, riding is uh, purely hobby, really, for me. Um, so yeah, now I work full time as an engineer. Yeah. Now you work Monday to Friday, do you? Yes. Yeah, I do. So weekends then are just filled with mountain biking and stuff. I take it. Yeah, pretty much every weekend, yeah. <laughs> and and your partner rides as well, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. yeah, pack up the van and go, basically. Yeah, cool. Now, let's chat a little bit about training, because do you do any training in the gym or anything like that? Because I remember in your socials you were starting to do gym stuff, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, so I think when we last spoke, um, I hadn't started doing, well, I didn't do any training in the gym, really, because once I discovered mountain biking, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, but I think there's been a lot of stuff on social media where people are showing the benefits of training in the gym to support your riding. So actually, that winter, I picked up a, um MTB training program for the gym. Um, and it was it was good, and it gave me really good results very quickly, but it was also really intense. So Mm. It involved training three times a week and the sessions took well over an hour and then I'd be riding all day Saturday and Sunday at the weekend. So really I was only having like Mondays and Fridays to rest and I found that my body was just constantly hurting like my muscles were just sore from like training and I should have recognized it at the time but it's the whole thing of hindsight. Um but I just thought, oh, this must be just what it's like and I'll be really strong and I can't wait for racing next year and all of this. Um, and I actually ended up injuring myself by overtraining, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was pretty annoying. Um, so I actually ended up having to pull out of most of the races. Well, not most of, probably like the first three or four uh, in 2019 because I had to have surgery um, to repair that damage I'd done at the gym. So, wow. so yeah, that was pretty annoying. <laughs> Yeah, that is so interesting, you know, because I'm only after listening to a podcast by a guy called Bike James, James Wilson, mm-hmm. you call him. Um, I've had him on the podcast a couple of times. He's a, he's trained Arn Gwen and stuff like that. He's a top, top notch trainer. Yeah. And he, he talks about that kind of thing, about overtraining and, mm-hmm. you, you know, what we see the professionals doing on social media is so far removed from what they do on a daily basis you know they don't do all this crazy crazy high intensity stuff all the time because you physically can't um, yeah as you well know you should listen to that that's a very very interesting podcast Um, but he says he talks about and (laughs) he said there's no excuse for injuring yourself in the gym you should not be doing that yeah Uh, well what was your energy yeah so Mine was a hernia, so um, it's where you rip your abdominal wall and basically, like, your insides come out a bit. So it's pretty ming. And where mine mine was, it was near my belly button. Um, And when I went to the surgeon, well, the the consultant, they kind of said it's probably a defect that's been there since birth, but it's just only shown now that you've been training really hard. Mm. Um, So it kind of was caused by the gym, but probably would have happened 
with time anyway so it was a bit of a funny one but it definitely taught me a lesson to listen to my body more and I think this is a danger with these online programs they're very one size fits all and you don't have anyone watching you and your technique and it'll say I'll do this with dumbbells but it doesn't tell you what dumbbells because obviously everyone's different and you don't really have anything to gauge off what you should be starting on um so obviously my learning from this injury was to strip everything back right to basics and start with body weight and just build up really slowly um but it's it was that was something that wasn't obvious to me um when I started that program um yeah so so yeah yeah it was a big learning curve yeah I think so and you know listening to James's podcast there I'm I would be so much like that, like yourself, just doing too much, too hard, just going full out in the gym and then freaking tweaking this or hurting this or doing that, you know, and it's not the way it really should be. You should be in the gym to help your biking, not to hinder it almost. And sometimes yeah, you yeah. can't hinder it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Crazy. But overall, do you find the gym thing has really helped your biking? Yeah, so um, the reason I kind of stuck with the program to that point was that I found that it was definitely helping. Like I was climbing a lot better and um, I felt like I think for me, my previous weakness was my upper body. And it probably said it's probably my weakest point. And by doing that extra weight training, I was actually getting to a point where I could handle my bike a lot better and having more balance because my core was stronger and things like that. So I do think it's definitely worth doing. But uh, yeah, I think you've got to know that the exercise you're, you're doing is right for you, not just a one size fits all kind of thing. So mm. yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it definitely helps. Yeah. Does your partner do any gym specific training? <laughs> no. <laughs> so uh, I actually decided recently to like make a little mini gym in, in the garage because just because it made it easier to train. So I just got loads of secondhand equipment, not very much, just like a secondhand spin bike. That was definitely the most expensive bit. And then mm. Aldi had like a sale on for dumbbells and stuff. So I've got some basic equipment. There's so much you can do with your body weight, which since the injury is what I prefer to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I'd be able to convince him to train with me, but he's not having any of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. It's not for yeah. it's not for everybody. No, um, no. Now that you've seen the benefits of like a specific MTB workout program, uh, um, do you enjoy that gym side of it now? Um, I, th- I do want some doing it, but I, when I'm preparing to do it. It's always the thought of it that's the worst thing. But once you've got changed and got started, it's fine. Um, so, yeah. And then while I'm doing it, I think, oh, I'm doing this because it's going to make me stronger on the bike. And then I'll be able to ride for longer and things like that. So, yeah, it's definitely definitely enjoyable, but kind of type two fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, I think it's what benefit you, you know you will get from it for the bike rather than the joy of actually doing it in the gym. Yeah, yeah, like sprint intervals on a spin bike I don't know anyone who enjoys them they're disgusting but like well before race can race season got completely postponed that was all I was thinking about when I was doing my intervals was this is going to help me when I'm doing a race mm-hmm. um, and that that's what that would be what would get me through I it's I just don't do them <laughs> I don't blame you I mean I mean now that the nights are lighter I haven't touched it um so I'll just ride up the hill instead <laughs> yeah yeah so as far as your gym stuff goes and you can train at home would you train after work or before work after i'm definitely well i go in to work for half seven so uh, i'm already getting up at half five because i've got a bit of a commute so i can't really do it before work but in general i prefer to exercise in the evening because i can just eat loads of food and go to bed so yeah yeah exactly uh yeah yeah, it's hard to motivate yourself in the cold winter mornings to get up and train in the morning yeah yeah exactly i agree yeah it's hard hardcore um okay let's chat a little bit about racing and how you've been getting on Mm -hmm. so how has it been going over the last couple of years since we last chatted yeah so i think when we last spoke it was almost the end of 2018 season i think i did one more that year and then that was kind of it. And then um, 2019 started a little bit later than intended. So because I had this injury, I missed um, the first few. So the first one I was going to do was Ardrock. 
and then that got completely flooded off so that didn't happen um so I think I only did a few last year so maybe four or five um so the first one I did actually was called Naughty Northumbrian which was an experience (laughs) um Mm. so I don't know whether you've heard of that one have you no 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 so it's in Northumberland so north of England like pretty close to Scotland and so I'd actually raced it the year before in 2018 and like I'd found it fine like the stages were not particularly hard like fairly challenging a couple of them but not particularly hard I came like middle of the field so I was pretty happy with that it was more completing it than anything else for me but then last year they stepped it up like I've never seen anything like one of the stages it was crazy it was basically this really steep hill with these pretty big rocks um that were the kind of kind of like riding on marbles but these were like big marbles like Oh, probably no. half, half the size of like bowling balls yeah you know, these steep corners and you'd be riding down them and like they'd just be shifting like constantly <laughs> and so we were doing the practice on the Saturday I got a bit of the way down I was just like this is well out of my ability like I can't mm. ride this so I got off my bike to try and walk down but like every time I put my foot down all these rocks are like rolling down the hill it was like trying to oh, go down what? an avalanche honestly it was insane so yeah <laughs> so yeah that I decided not to race that so that wasn't very successful because I thought if I if I try and race that I'm only going to get in people's way I'm putting myself at risk I'm putting other people at risk it's just not going to be a fun experience for anyone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was also like really hot I don't know like 30 degrees and it took us like seven hours to get round practice and they're running out of water at the water stations and things so yeah <laughs> so that was interesting um wow. so yeah I'm not going to do that this year but Steve's going to do it because that's right up his street but yeah, yeah it was a little bit it was a shame though because there were six stages four of them I really enjoyed it was just that one um and then another one that was just really steep exposed corners um that were just completely out of my league and I kind of wish that they'd put on a short version with like the other stages on um, because a lot of people were struggling. I think about half of the participants dropped out because it was that hard. Wow. Um, so, so yeah, it was pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, that's... So put that one in the experience bucket. <laughs> yeah, and that was your first race back, basically, after your surgery. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, wow, yeah. Well, yeah, well, you know, you've probably done the right thing because the last thing you want to do is do something like that, not enjoy it, not your confidence, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Yeah. So, but it'll be interesting to see if they change that for this year because if or, you know if a good percentage of of the competitors dropped out, you know that's telling them something. Yeah, well, I think they want to market themselves as the hardest enduro race. So, I, I have kept checking to see if they were going to release like obviously the hard course, which would include all the stages, and then maybe a short course for like mm-hmm. um, that's more like general rider friendly. But at the moment, they haven't. So, so I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I think it depends how they're marketing it. But yeah, I think there's other companies, not companies, but like race organizers, like the Ard Rock events. Like the trails that they build are so fun, like for such a wide ability of of riders. So even if you're pretty new to the sport, you can ride them and you enjoy them. And even if you're an absolute pro, you ride them really fast and they're amazing. So I think that they've got it well dialed for a, everyone has a good time, and B, they're going to make a lot of money because mm-hmm. so many people can enjoy it. Um, whereas if you make something quite niche, you're never going to make as much of an event. But that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I can certainly see it because you just won't, you know, like you're saying, you're not going to go back. if it, you know. So there's going to be a lot of people do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's like, because obviously I, I paid £80 or whatever for the weekend, um, and then I didn't race, so... I mean, it wasn't a waste of money, but I'm not going to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, now, I've been looking at your results and stuff, um, and you know, you've had some cracking results. From what I can see, you've raced, you've been in about 22 races, mm-hmm. and they kind of rhyme off like second place, second place, third place, fourth, first. They're kind of rhyming off like that. But one that stuck out is that Ard Murs Enduro. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that is my favourite event. It, not well, not because I've done well in it, just because I love it. Like the tracks are amazing. <laughs> well, I was wanting to ask you about that because you've been first twice in that, and 
I think you were second last year. Uh, yeah. Why? Do you just like the track so much? Um, yeah, so I think, so the first year I did it, um, it rained, like, I've never seen rain like it. It was insane. Like, everything was flooded. You were literally riding down rivers. It was just madness. But it was also really fun. And that was one where, um, again, half the competitors dropped out. So I think I was actually the only woman left in my category. <laughs> so that's why I came first. Um, but yeah, so so that was that one. And then the other years, I don't know. I think I just really like the tracks. I feel pretty confident on them. There are any, so the, the event's only about 20 minutes down the road, but the, it's all on private land. So it's not like I can practice them outside the event. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just a great event. The tracks are really well built um yeah i can't fault it it's brilliant it's just really fun i think when you're having fun you ride better yeah yeah you're probably do you feel more relaxed at those events uh what are the 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 local ones are yeah the ardmores one yeah i think they've just got a nice vibe about them um some races you go to and you get people behind you who are quite aggressive about getting past which i can understand whereas other ones you get them where where people aren't as much or I don't know yeah I, th- I think also uh, hard to say I think maybe on those ones I tend to ride higher up in the results field because maybe they're a bit more popular whereas other ones that I've been to where people tend to want to get past me more often there may be slightly more niche ones that are a bit harder where I'm probably coming lower in the results or something like that mm-hmm. um but yeah I mean the stages are still really long though on like Ardmore's and I managed to go fast enough to get, not get overtaken. So I think that has something to do with it as well. Because if you're having to stop to let people pass, you're not going to do as well. Um, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, very good. Very good. Um, so how else did 2019 go for you? Did You entered a few yeah. different races, yeah? Yeah, so there was the North Northumberland, which didn't go too well. <laughs> and <laughs> then Ardmore's went really well. That was really fun. Um and then I can't remember what else I did. I think there was the Eastgate TT, which is kind of local as well, which is an uplifted in a farmer's field where they just build a different track each year. That was really fun. Um, and then I can't remember what else I did. I might have been it for last year because mm. just because the, I ended up starting the season so late. And then mm. this year we know what's happened. Everything's just got postponed. So not yeah. done as much racing as I'd hoped. Um, but that's why I was saying to you earlier that 2018 was such a good year. Like. You don't realize it at the time, but I did so many races that year and the summer was so good and it'd just be so nice to have another year like that. I think I did like eight or nine events that year and it's not happened since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back then, Tess, were you still just doing enduro then or were you still doing a few downhill races at that time? Um, I think it was mostly enduro, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Okay. Um, have you attended any EWS events? No, I haven't. Um, but I, I know um, Alex who rides them. Well, when they're running. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I've never been to any of them. But I think it's going to be in Scotland next year. That's the plan. So it'd be cool to go and watch that. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't uh, tempt entering some of those, or? <laughs> no, <laughs> they are well <laughs> out of my league. I'll just be in people's way. <laughs> yeah, but you know, would you? Do you think you would enjoy? that bigger platform that that atmosphere do you think you would like that um if i was fast enough i would but i just know that i'm not um and it, i think the kind of like well i don't know about the other ewrs tracks but they're where they're going to run it in scotland's in uh the tweed valley where i ride quite a lot um but racing the tweed valley is a whole other ball game because the tracks are really steep which i can ride and i do enjoy riding but racing them is a whole other thing because if you have someone behind you there's not really an easy way to get out of their way um mm. so i think to race them i'd have to be a hell of a lot better rider than i am <laughs> yeah is, is that something you maybe aspire to do is to get to that level to race some ews events um no i don't think so like for me mountain biking is something i really enjoy it's a hobby um no one's ever going to pay me to do it so um I'd rather stay in one piece and just enjoy riding than, I don't know, push myself that hard. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's good because I was, I was wanting to ask you, do you measure things? Do you measure your mountain bike and your success on the bike? Do you measure that off the back of your results? 
Um, not really. Only in comparing myself to previous years. So last year on Ardmores, um, I came second, which I was a bit annoyed about um, because in other years I'd done better. But then when I looked at my times for the stages, because the stages were very similar to the year before and the riding conditions were very similar. Unless it was a pretty fair comparison I'd knocked off about 30 seconds off each stage wow which is a, which is a lot so even though my position had got worse like ranking my actual times and the stages were a hell of a lot better so for me that was more important than like my podium position mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and I think that's maybe the way to look at it it's you against the the stages it's you against the course the track whatever yeah 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 rather than the other competitors and if you can better yourself well sure what's the what's the big deal you know yeah exactly yeah 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 and for me it's also just like so i I know strava is not that accurate but i like seeing when i've improved my strava time on certain tracks if i ride them a lot because it does give a little bit of an indication if you're improving and also but then there's other things Things where like tracks change every year because of winter and loads of water running down them that can change them a lot as well. So there's some tracks that when they're first built, I may have been a worse rider, but I could get down them faster because they were smoother. Whereas this year, it's been loads of rain and now there's loads of roots and rocks that have appeared out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And so you're never going to be as fast. So there's that side of it as well. And then also just getting to ride techie features. So yesterday, went out for a ride after work and there's a particular track in Gisborough Forest, which I've ridden well harder stuff, but because I tried to ride it a few years ago when I was not as able, I've got a few mental blocks on it. So I just spent a little while like getting my head around a few awkward corners. And even though it wasn't a particularly hard track, I felt really good that I got over that fear of those corners and managed to ride them. So there's lots of different ways you can measure it. It's not just race results for mm-hmm. me anyway. Yeah. I think it's hard to see your own improvement yourself because it takes time it takes a lot of time on the bike and you don't really see the improvement but like you've seen it there you know you got over that stage and you were able to to do that which you couldn't previously um yeah does your partner see you improve any yeah but i also i don't know it's a bit of a mix sometimes he'll be like oh you're absolutely flying down there and then other times i'll decide not to ride something because i decide it's a bit too hard and he's like oh i thought you would have ridden that so <laughs> it can work both ways <laughs> but yeah 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 cool well yeah. i have to admit now i went back to see some of your vids and stuff uh, a year a bit ago and i've watched some of your recent stuff there and you certainly are doing bigger drops and bigger jumps and stuff um like how do you personally think you've improved over the last couple of years almost um i think the biggest thing i've tackled is um steep stuff which is pretty hard to um show in photos and videos because it just doesn't really come across in gopros and things like that so I think when we last spoke, I couldn't really get down many tracks at the Golfie in the Tweed Valley. So the, the tracks there are renowned for being particularly steep. Whereas now I can get down most of them, I'd say. Not all of them, because some of them are mental. Um, but yeah, so that's been a huge thing for me. And when I first started riding them successfully, I was kind of getting to the bottom and being like, I'm alive, I'm alive. Whereas now I get down and I'm enjoying it and I'm kind of more like, oh that was that was good whereas uh, before it was kind of like I have survived and um, so I think that's been a big a big improvement a big head game for me is getting down the seat, steep stuff and just trusting mm-hmm. just in the bike and just I think for me because I'm quite risk averse I always want to be able to stop if I want if I don't want to ride something whereas on steep stuff you get to a point where like you can't stop because it's too steep um so you've got to start trusting the bike to just go down the hill or kind of like almost skiing so yeah, that's mm-hmm. been quite a big, big change. Yeah, and I suppose if you can build the confidence and something like that, then it helps in other areas as well. It helps your building confidence almost helps you build more confidence in a way, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's cool. Um, have you ever had any lessons, like bike lessons, coaching lessons? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've only had one recently. And before that, I hadn't had one for ages. But yeah, I think it's definitely worth doing every now and then because always you start to plateau and you don't realise where you need to improve. Um, so yeah, I did have one recently in January. 
Mm-hmm. And what kind of things were you going over there? Um, so looking at jumping technique, which I think is just having the, the just actually go for it. So I know what to do, but my brain won't let me like send a massive jump. Like I can do little <laughs> ones. Mm-hmm. My brain just doesn't actually want to do the big ones. So that's something I've got to work on. But I think it's that's one where you just have to like spend a day of like sessioning. Mm-hmm. And it's not windy and like the weather's nice and um and then we were looking at um bunny hops, which I definitely need to practice, which is kind of tied in with jumping technique. Um and then how to ride technical sections faster, so con- concentrating on where to break, so being a bit more methodical with braking. So rather than just thinking, oh, I want to slow down, thinking, oh, the track's smooth here, so I'll break a bit. Oh, it's going to get rough. I'll let go so the suspension can work better. Um, mm. So like looking at line choices with that. And then also trying to do cornering faster, so like practicing pumping into corners a bit. So not just cruising around and just trying to not touch the brakes, actually trying to get some speed out the corners as well. Yeah, the cornering thing's a massive one. Yeah. It really is. And it sounds easy and, you know, everybody that rides bikes or does uh, trail centers or whatever, they all corner. But that technique is actually quite difficult. And I think a lot of people probably get it wrong. Mm. Um, I know I struggle with it quite a lot where you go in too fast and then you lose all your momentum in the in the middle of the corner and you come out way too slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's funny chatting to a couple of guys that were saying that, you know, that's one of the biggest thing people should really be working on and focusing on is body position and breaking in corners because that's where I suppose coaches see the biggest, the biggest issues with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's so difficult to get the timing right. Um, and it's one of those things that I have to really think about and I have to do the same corner to be able to get it right. It'd be so nice to get to a point where you're riding a track blind and you just do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going to be a long time before I get to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find personally when I go into corners, the banked corners where you know you can go in with more speed because you know you can use the bank to keep yourself on the track basically mm-hmm. but it's having the confidence in your tires and having the confidence in your grip and everything else to to be able to do that is that something you would struggle with in corners and things yeah when it's not when it's not a nice smooth but um, that's as soon that's when i start hesitating about pushing in because i think yeah am i going to just wash out or is that route going to catch me out or yeah yeah mm-hmm. i understand where you're coming from with that them fast guys have so much freaking confidence in their rubber eh? Yeah, and they're so dynamic on the bike. I want to be more dynamic on the bike because I find now when Steve follows me down a track with a GoPro on, I look like I'm just like stood on my bike and just like pootling along. Whereas like if you watch like Rat Boy or whatever, their body is like moving up and down, left and right. And they're like really dynamic. They're making the bike work and they're getting all the speed out the corners that they can and things like that. So mm. I'm trying to get to that, but it's taking a while. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think that's a big that's a big change to get from being comfortable in your riding position and just letting the bike do the work to then going to the other extreme of like really using the bike to work the track kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I suppose it's, yeah, it's your body's mobility on the bike. Um, Mm -hmm. and to have weight distribution correctly on the bike to whatever you're, you may be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's definitely, there's so much to think about. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing with coaching as well. Like, they teach you loads of things, and I'm like, my brain can't process this. I can literally, like, think about one new thing at a time. (laughs) And that's about it. (laughs) So, yeah, about two or three hours of coaching, and I'm done. I just can't process anymore. Yeah, yeah, they tell you all this stuff, and you're still trying to remember what breaks the front and what's the back. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, yeah. I made a list, actually, on the day, like, that evening. Like, I was like, as soon as we're done let's go sit in my van and let me just write down what you've taught me and you just say yes or no and anything I've missed because now I can look back and then try and concentrate on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which would probably be a good thing to do now that we're a bit limited as to where we can ride. So, yeah, I should yeah. definitely do that. Yeah, it's funny. Like, um, I know certain people will go and do things and they'll say, right, today I'm going to learn cornering. Well, not learn, but practice. Today, I'm going to yeah. practice my cornering. Today, I'm going to practice my jumps. Today, I'm going to practice my manuals or whatever it may be. Um, that seems to be quite a popular way to do it. Yeah, yeah. 
it does. Though for me, I find it lasts about one track and I forget that that's what I'm focusing on. <laughs> just distracted by everything else. Yeah, yeah. Is there, uh, is there any area of your riding you would like to improve or you're trying to improve more so than anything else? Um, I think that I, what I think would benefit me the most definitely is getting more dynamic on the bike. So that's something that's really uh, I want to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, in a dream world, I'd be brilliant at jumping, but I'm also not that bothered about jumping because in the everyday ride, it doesn't really benefit me that much, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like, it would be really cool to be good at doing massive jumps and stuff, and it would probably make good pitches. But when I go out for a ride, at least where we live, there's not really that many jumps about, which is probably part of the reason why I'm not that good at them. Um, mm. So yeah, that's kind of like dream dreamland but like practicality is the dynamic on the bike i'd say yeah yeah for sure um so have you seen many ladies starting to race how's the ladies racing going is it is it getting better is it quite healthy yeah i think it's getting better when i started there was definitely not as many um i think this year when i was looking at start entry lists for the stuff i'd stand up I can't talk signed up for um there was like well over like 10 in each category which compared to the men is still nothing um but previously I'd get to races and there'd maybe be like six of us or less and mm-hmm. um, so to see more than 10 is brilliant and some of them were even more than that like over 30 and stuff so yeah it's wow. definitely getting more popular yeah what age uh, ladies would you you know average would you think is coming in is it younger girls or is it you know um so i'm currently in seniors but i'm going to be so that's like 20s but i'm going to be going into masters pretty shortly so that's 30s to 40s um Mm. and um to be honest i think the women in their 30s are just as competitive as the women in their 20s if not slightly well maybe not slightly more because in their 20s you get some of the young ones who are kind of heading towards ews careers Mm. but yeah i think well for me I discovered mountain biking when I was about 25 um I think a lot of other women are kind of similar which is why then there's quite a lot of women in their 30s racing I don't know why maybe it was just stereotyping that um we just didn't find it as early as guys did but I think that's kind of getting better now so I think at the moment 20s and 30s probably most popular but that's quite a wide range um I think late 20s is quite common um and then there's obviously another band of very popular um in terms of numbers probably like 18 20 and they're the ones who are um probably going to have careers and and endure and stuff like that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah but that's good it's growing and it's still quite you know i think the guys scene would be well that's very that goes from young 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 right up to 50s you know easy um so it's a massive field there, but it's good to see that you're seeing ladies increasing in numbers and stuff at the race scene because it, it takes that. It takes that to keep it going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there are some really quick girls who are young, like really young, who are probably, I don't know, between like 13 and 16 who are super fast. Like they are going to go places and it's really nice to see them do so well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. It's It's nice to see we need those young ones coming up. Yeah, I think also because they're growing up with racing, they don't find it as intim- intimidating. So I think the numbers will get stronger as time gets co- goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think for people starting in their late 20s and then starting racing, if they've never done anything like that before, it is a bit daunting. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I've had a few of the young ones on the podcast too. And, um, you know, they kind of they just seem to fall into the racing thing just because either a friend's doing it or their dad's doing it or yeah and they just go along for the day and they end up racing you know like that's that's how kind of relaxed it is <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly and i think because they see it in that more relaxed way it's not as big a deal and then you mm-hmm. enjoy it more it's less scary whereas i think when you're more grown up you think oh i've got to perform i've got to be really good and yeah there's a lot more pressure but it's only pressure we put on ourselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, let's chat. Now, I want to get to some, because you put some feelers out on your social your social uh, media about 
questions for the podcast and some people go back to you and, and want to ask you some questions so we'll get to those in a little minute um, but I want to ask you just about sponsorship and stuff because I've done a couple of episodes just on ambassadorship and sponsorship and stuff so I just want your take on it because I know you do quite well uh, mm-hmm. through that um, so you recently you changed now well this is a question actually so <laughs> Um, let me just let me just ask you the question. This is from the Gobshites. Mm-hmm. Uh, reason for reason for swapping Kotick for I would say that is transition. I would think. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and you get in the new scout. Um, so you've changed from Kotick to transition. Just chat us, tell us a little bit about that and why that happened. Yeah, so I used to have a Kotick uh, rocket. And it was a lovely bike and it looked really nice. But I found after a while of riding it that it was just a bit too big for me. So the rockets were designed to be long geometry. um, But I was finding that the reach was a bit too long, which meant that then when I was riding with the saddle down, I couldn't get the saddle fully out of the way when I was riding really steep tracks. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't actually put the dropper any further into the frame because it was hitting um, the internals of the frame. Um, so that made it really difficult to keep confidence up with my riding on it. Um, so I think the geometry just wasn't quite right for me. Um, I also found with it being quite long, it was more difficult to manoeuvre. So I think the chainstay, which is um, the length from the bottom bracket to the middle of the axle of the back wheel, was really long as well. So to get it around corners and stuff wasn't... Um, the easiest so what i basically did was i looked at geometry charts for <laughs> like loads and loads, <laughs> and loads and loads and loads of bikes um so basically you find something that was pretty similar but with a shorter reach and a shorter chain stay um and that's how i came across the patrol um mm. so that was something just it just looked great on paper so i did take a bit of a risk in buying one um without actually test riding it which was the mistake i made with the kotick so I don't know whether I learned my lesson or not. Um, but yeah, it's just been the perfect fit. Um, it just, it just as soon as I got on it, I just felt this is what my bike should feel like. I feel like I can tell it what to do a lot more. It's just, I'm able to get the saddle completely out of the way. It, yeah, it's just really good geometry for my style of riding. So yeah, it was purely geometry. Mm-hmm. That new patrol does look beautiful. Oh yeah, the new ones are. Yeah, so mine's like a quite an old one. I think mine's a... 2018 model okay um but yeah yeah i mean the geometry's not changed um they're just different colors and or carbon or whatever yeah 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 okay so you're not you're not an ambassador for transition or anything like that no um I, I, uh cheap through distributors but um yeah uh, not supported by transition no okay okay um is there any kind of sponsors help you out or are you an ambassador for any other brands um, so about the winter after we last spoke, I got in touch with Kingdom Bike, who make really nice titanium hardtails. Um, so they very kindly have given me a Vendetta titanium frame. So um, I built that up. So that is a lovely bike to have. Um, really fun. Highly recommend having a hardtail if you want to have two bikes. Um, so yeah, they, they've been great. Um, then last autumn, started working with Smith Bike. Um, so they make really nice eyewear and helmets mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so they've been fab as well and then a few bits and bobs from other brands um, latest one being Lurie Bike who make frame straps mm-hmm. um, yeah. so yeah they're really well made uh, and just help you ride packless which is definitely a good thing when you're only popping out for a couple of hours and they've just released also a dry bag to keep all your tools or whatever you strap into your bike dry because before they used to just get covered in mud Especially inner tubes aren't ideal if they're covered in mud when you're trying to fix a punk, um, fit a flat or whatever. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think those are distributed through the sacralize. I can't even. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I've had them on the podcast actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened to it. It was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're lovely. Yeah, they 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 are a good bunch of people there. Um, for sure they've got a question for you as well oh yeah Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so do you think that you know having those little sponsors and those little ambassadorships does it help you out does it help you encourage you that little bit more 
yeah, definitely. And it's just so nice to be able to work with brands that you believe in and promote them to the mountain bike world. Um, and obviously, it's really nice to have their kit to use as well. So, yeah, it, it's good relationship for both parties for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's good because I think it's nice, especially, you know, you've got a big Instagram following, haven't you? You've uh, almost 18,000 on Instagram. So it's a win-win, and I think that's the key thing to it, isn't it? It's, you know, getting something that the brand can grow and get a little bit more exposure from, and it helps you, you know, even get new gear, test gear, or just, you know, helps you get get stuff that you otherwise would be having to pay for or pay full price for or whatever but it's nice just to have that yeah definitely yeah yeah i totally agree cool now chatting about your bike there um what height are you tess uh i am five foot three or 163 centimeters okay are you on a 27.5 yes i am all right did you try a 29er no i'm pretty curious though as to what they'd be like i think yeah. it'd be really cool to try one um but for me i've got to just be careful with which frames i ride because of this saddle clearance issue mm. um so the standover is pretty important um is what i learned from that experience with the kotic and how far you can insert your um dropper into the frame as well because mm. um, there's nothing worse than having a saddle um knocking you off balance um, so yeah, that's just one thing with looking at a lot of the 29ers. There's not a lot of them that I think I'd be able to get away with, but it'd be cool to demo some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think to be honest, the whole 29, 27 thing, we're going to see 27 being available in size small frames, and after that, I think it's all going to go 29. To be honest. <sighs> but 27 so fun. I, I don't know. I haven't done the comparison, but my partner, um, Steve, he's got a 27.5 full sus and he's got a 29er um, hardtail. Mm-hmm. And he likes both for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. But yeah, you may be right. Yeah, I think it's just too much choice. And when you split bikes down into sizes and colors, mm-hmm. and wheel sizes and everything like that, it's just too much to produce for companies now. I think yeah, it's just... Yeah. You know, so I think we will see a shift, something like that. Anyway, um, yeah. you're chatting about your hardtail there. When would you ride your hardtail over your full suspension? Um, so mostly choose it when it's really sloppy. So especially in the winter, obviously. So well, that's when it's sloppiest. Um, so yeah, when the tracks are not running very fast, it just gives you that sun factor back. You get much more responsive uh, movement from the bike. Um, when you push into corners and stuff when you're on a hardtail compared to a full surf. Mm-hmm. Um, so if conversely, if you were to ride your hardtail when it's dry and like rocky, you get too much feedback and that's when it can get a bit uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. basically when stuff gets a bit boring and slow when you're full surf, that's when the uh, hardtail comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, or equally if I'm doing more of an XC ride, so if I'm doing something that's more fire roads, um, for whatever reason for fitness or or whatever or longer distance then then that's a good time to ride the hardtail as well yeah yeah no i i can understand that for sure um now will we get to the questions yeah all right bishop greenport wants to know where is the best mtb in the south of england Ooh, so i haven't done as much riding down there as i would like so I've been to the Surrey Hills and that's really fun. Um, but I want to go to the southwest, so like near Cornwall and that area. Um, I believe it's called Triscombe that's meant to be really good. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation. Mm. But I really want to ride down there. I've heard the riding down there is amazing. Um, but otherwise, I haven't been to many other places down there. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely want to explore the southwest. All right, cool. And if anybody's from down around there, can they give you a shout on Instagram and let you know where for to sure. go? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Always looking for new places to ride. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, the Seglerize guys have asked. Now, we chatted about this in depth a wee bit more in the first first time you were on the show. Um, but just a quick overview here, I suppose. What made you pick up MTB in the first place? 
Um, so I used to live with a group of friends from work and one of them had a few bikes. So we went to Hampstead Forest and rented um, some mountain bikes. And that's kind of how I got introduced to it. So it was through through housemates. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. Um, and we, as I say, we chat about that quite a lot in the the first time you were on the show. Um, do any of those friends still ride? Do you still ride with those guys? or? Um, so unfortunately not. Um the guy who introduced me to it actually a few years later got a girlfriend and I don't think he's been on his mountain bike since. So, <laughs> yeah, I know what a shame, but Hey, you know, if he's happy, then it's all good. But yeah. Yeah. And then the other people were all kind of, um, they were just trying it out for the day and they didn't pick it up as much as I did. So, so yeah, so it was just me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Um, so, Let's see, what's the next one? Alice Go Solo asks, top tips for learning key skills like jumps, hops, drops. And she's also asked, or meals riding with meals. Okay. I'm not sure what the second part means, but um, for learning bike skills, definitely go for coaching would be my advice because I know some people are a lot more natural at mountain biking than I am. And some people can just have a go. But for me to have the confidence to get my wheels off the ground, I need to know the technique and know that I'm doing it right to mm. minimize the chance of injury and maximize the chance of enjoyment, if you like. So for me, it was all about getting coaching with someone who knew about how to teach you how to do it rather than a friend just saying, just just send it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I recommend coaching. <laughs> and I would say that just send it things actually quite good because I think that's what Alice probably means in her second part of that question. Females riding with males because a male guy is just going to say, I just send it. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Don't listen to them unless they're a coach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think things like jumps and hops and drops and all that kind of stuff is all very much technique oriented. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the confidence will come. If you've got the technique and you start yeah. small, then you can build up your confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yes, and don't and don't listen to any meals you're with riding, Alice telling <laughs> you. Just just go for it. You know, just take your time, do it in your own your own time and be oh, yeah. safe kind of thing, huh? Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh next one, Johnny Mac asks, uh do you do all your own mechanical work? Yeah, I saw this one. So I don't know whether anyone thought I did all my own mechanical work, but I would say Steve does all my mechanical work. <laughs> um, so I understand how to do a lot of it, but I always get stuck. So even, this is really embarrassing, even sorting out a flat tyre, I cannot get the tyre off the rim. It's just, I just can't do it. So literally Steve is my mechanic and I'm very lucky because he's very competent at like fixing pretty much anything on the bike. The only thing he can't do is service suspension that's got nitrogen charging in it. Everything else he can do. So, yeah, I'm very lucky in that sense. Yeah. And he's probably the reason I've got so fussy with bike components as well, because I know when they feel like they're not working because he's so good at keeping them working. Yeah. Yeah. But you're an engineer. You're supposed to be able to do stuff like this, you know? No, I'm like a computer engineer. I'm not like a proper engineer. <laughs> not actually like computer engineering, as in like all my work's on computers. I'm not a very practical engineer. So, uh, yeah. So, okay. yeah, it's probably a bit disappointing to people to hear that. But, yeah, it's the honest truth. <laughs> yeah. Is that something Steve has tried to push you into, or have you tried to learn anything off Steve when he's when he's um, on your bike? I'm quite interested at watching what he's doing and understanding how it works, but I think he quite enjoys like tinkering in the bike room and just sorting stuff out. So, yeah, yeah. he's not really tried to make me do it because he quite enjoys doing it himself. All right, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get on to one more here. MTB Adventure Fish asks, "How did you get such a presence on Instagram?" Love your page, by the way. Oh, nice. Thank you. Um, so I think with Instagram, is it's definitely a long-term game. Um, I don't know whether people think it's quick to grow a following, um, but it's definitely not. It's taken me probably five or six years to get to where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and to start with, I had no idea what I was doing. And there's plenty of videos on YouTube and stuff like that to learn how to do it. But basically... It, mostly boils down to knowing what your brand is and being consistent with it and sticking with it so all of your content should be relevant to that brand so 
for me it's mountain biking enjoying mountain biking um anything to do with mountain biking i'm not going to start posting recipes on my actual post for how to make banana bread i might put something like that in my story because i think people find it interesting Mm -hmm. like everyday life i wouldn't make a post about it um also posting regularly and making your posts interesting I think for me, when I post things, I think, are oh, my followers going to find this interesting rather than posting, I feel like posting this today. So you're kind of creating content for people who are following you as opposed to creating content for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And um, just engaging as well with people. So talking to them, commenting, messaging them. Um, yes. Um, with your followers. They'd be kind of my top tips. But yeah, it's definitely a long term game. It's it's not a kind of quick thing overnight. You've got to kind of stick with it and just carry on with it. Um but yeah, I mean I find it really enjoyable. I've met loads of lovely people through it. Um yeah, yeah. Cool. Do you use the five hashtags or the thirty? Uh, I use ten. So <laughs> 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 I, I used to do thirty and then I read somewhere that after about 10 Instagram starts ignoring them whether that's true or not I don't know so yeah I just use 10 and I don't have anything sophisticated like a list of loads of hashtags or anything like that I just make them up on the spot when I'm writing my posts so yeah yeah I think that's the best way because if if, if you just use the same ones all the time the Instagram starts ignoring it yeah yeah there's loads of rumors of what can um, cause you to be shadow banned which is where basically your content gets hidden yeah yeah i've not had that problem touch wood but i don't know whether that's just because my content's just like i'm not doing anything like tricky do you know what i mean i'm just posting and just keeping it fairly natural so i don't see why well you'd hope that a computer logarithm wouldn't think that i was a bot because i'm not Mm -hmm. a bot and i'm not doing anything that a bot would do so yeah not sure yeah cool cool well before i let you go let me ask you tess what have you planned as far as the racing goes for 2020 if it goes yeah so um i was signed up for about eight enduros um most well not most about the first four or five have either got postponed or moved to next year so uh i think at the moment it looks like i've got a couple in july one in august and a couple in September maybe so yeah about five left mm-hmm. um but yeah um so there's Ardrock in there which I really really hope goes ahead this year because those guys have been had a lot of bad luck so they got um flooded last year and then Ardmores they had to move to next year I think mm-hmm. not, not next, no Ardales they had to move to next year and then Ardmores right. has got postponed so I'm really hoping that goes ahead for them yeah yeah cool are, are you missing that scene are you missing being able to race Oh, definitely. And especially because I was injured last year, I missed out on so much of it. Uh, yeah, because I think, I think when I, in 2018, I did loads of races, but I didn't really prepare for them. Whereas now I'm putting a lot more time into getting fitter because I found in 2018, while I was able to do them, I was absolutely hanging by the end. Whereas mm-hmm. now it'd be nice to do a race and not be completely exhausted at the end and actually perform better. Um mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really hope it all goes ahead. Excellent. Yeah, well, I think everybody's, we're all hoping, fingers crossed, that we can get going and uh, get this thing get this thing rocking again because I know a lot of people are, are certainly missing it. Yeah. Um, some crazy stuff on Instagram with people doing crazy things, you know. <laughs> in, in what sense? Oh, just guys, like, riding their bike upside down and oh, doing I this. Oh, I know, yeah, yeah. You know, crazy crazy stuff but i mean it's it's a rubbish situation but i'm enjoying all the memes and stuff that are coming out of it like people are getting really creative with boredom like it's brilliant yeah i think it goes to show like i think even though it's a rubbish situation i think it has brought the world together a little bit Mm. i don't know yeah yeah and you know i think it may actually if there's a positive it may make a lot of people realize what they actually have yeah for sure you know when you can't do it you know and it's still there in a, in a way but you can't do it i think it will hopefully make people appreciate what they have and stop yeah. complaining about this race or that race or this or that or that wasn't organized you know 
at least mm-hmm. you're there at least you're fit enough you're healthy you can go you can do it yeah exactly yeah not really the same but when I got injured last year I literally did not know how I was going to cope with not being able to do any exercise for two months I'd never been in that situation before mm-hmm. and it just made like when I started riding again it was just the best feeling ever like it just felt so nice to be back on my bike and it just meant that then you don't take rides for granted anymore because you know what it feels like to not be able to do it so yeah I think we've all got our freedom back it's just even things like going to the pub or you know obviously meeting mm. up with your friends for a ride you're going to enjoy it that little bit more I think so I think so and I think they're going to time it just right for the summer you know <laughs> I hope so I really hope so I, I read some something somewhere said three to six months which should take us to September and I'm like well 2020 is a write-off then because <laughs> we mm. won't even get summer so I'm hoping it's more like three months but yeah, yeah. you know it is what it is. It'll be next year, but I'm exactly. hoping get summer. Exactly. Yeah. The, the the mountains and the forests will still be there. Yeah, so. exactly. Have you any other bike-related news for us? Are you, any trips planned or anything with Steve or anything like that, mountain bike trips? Um, so we're converting a van into a camper van, which is cool. super exciting. And we managed to get it literally a few days before it went before the country went into lockdown. Um, so we're just getting the materials delivered to the house to do that so Steve's working on that Um, so when that's sorted I would love to go to Scotland on a road trip Mm -hmm. Uh, that was kind of planned for the next few weeks but obviously it's not going to happen so as soon as we get the we'll be doing that Um, so yeah so that's the main thing it'd be cool to go to the Alps as well but I don't think that will happen now but yeah basically get the camper van sorted and get traveling in it because we end up spending a fortune on airbnbs for races and stuff and then this will open the doors for lots more adventures like not racing related just go exploring yeah exactly exactly no that sounds interesting are you putting stuff like that up onto your instagram um i actually haven't put anything about the camper van on instagram yet i was kind of waiting until we had a few more progress pictures mm-hmm. um but yeah but it'll be there, people. People. Can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, so that's pretty exciting. So, yeah, when I've got some pictures together of the conversion, I'll definitely put something up about it. All right. Yeah. And how can people find you on Instagram and on your socials, Tess? What's your handle on there? Yeah. So I'm only really on Instagram. I don't use anything else at the moment. Um. So it's mud underscore and underscore no underscore makeup. Or like the makeup it's one word it's not hyphenated yeah so, yeah, yeah cool yeah cool well listen thanks so much for coming on and chatting to us again it is, it's been awesome finding out what you've been doing over the last almost two years no worries thanks for having me back on it's good to chat yeah yeah for sure and uh, I hope 2020 gets going and you get back out racing and that but if not you have a camper van to be working on so you're okay you're going to be kept busy anyway exactly yeah and we've got the trails so we'll definitely survive <laughs> excellent well listen thanks so much Tess. good luck for 2020 if it goes ahead good luck with the racing i'll be keeping an eye on your socials and seeing how you're how you're getting on there so um good luck all right brilliant thank you very much take care that's a wrap for episode 134 folks i hope you enjoyed that and I hope you took plenty from what Tess is getting up to over the lockdown, keeping active, keeping motivated, and uh, she's, she's going to be fighting through this, no problem whatsoever. So thanks so much, Tess, for coming on the show. I do appreciate you coming back on and filling us in on what you've been up to, and I hope everything goes well and the 2020 race season gets underway because I know you're dying to get back out there uh, with your new fitness levels, etc., uh, to give it a go. So good luck with that. Now, folks, if you want to know more about Tess, what she's getting up to, follow her socials. You can get quick and easy links just to visit the show notes at mtb-tribe.com and you'll get all the information you need there, plus a little bit more about what we chat about on the show. Now, thanks so much for tuning in and listening. And if you want to support the show, the best way is by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people hopefully getting them off sofas and onto saddles now if you're not on apple you can find us and subscribe via stitcher spotify and podbean and we're on nearly every podcast platform so just use your your favorite platform on your phone or wherever you may listen to the show and you will find us there 
We also have a website that you can check out, mtb-tribe.com. You can get the complete bike catalogue there. That's over 130 shows now. And uh, listen and download every show there. Now, it's quite interesting because I've just chatted to a, a gentleman from Nepal for the podcast. And he'll be on the show in the next couple of weeks or so. But... You know, the podcast is crazy because I've had people on from America, on from Africa, on from New Zealand, on from Tasmania, now on from Nepal. So go back. If you're wanting something a little bit different, go back and listen to some of them really cool episodes. Find out what's happening in the mountain bike scene elsewhere on the planet because everybody's on lockdown. So um, it's quite interesting to hear from what's going on there we sometimes get caught up in this bubble of the UK and Ireland and etc and what's going on in the States but it's going on everywhere, mountain biking is spreading, it's becoming so popular so go and check out those other episodes that's something different, you won't find that on any other mountain bike podcast that I know of so you can go and check out those shows now, you can also subscribe to the podcast via the website. Just go to the subscription section and you will get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show from there and a short synopsis of who is coming on the podcast that week. You can also get involved on social media, of course, at MTB Tribe on Facebook and Instagram. And please share the podcast with friends and family and give a shout out to anybody who may be interested in the podcast and think they will learn something from it. Please share it with them and let them know about it. That's it for this week, folks. Thanks so much and take care. And if you're out in the trails, please take care out there and don't get into any baller at all. But until then, as always, stay MTB stoked.